October was first declared as National Domestic Violence Awareness Month in 1989. Since then, October has been a time to acknowledge domestic violence survivors and to be a voice for its victims. The purpose of Domestic Violence Awareness Month is to mourn victims, celebrate survivors, and network for change. This national event takes place each year during the month of October to connect advocates working to end violence against women and kids. And here to talk about us is Erica Schmidt-Deal. She's a licensed master social worker and care advocacy coordinator at MSU Safe Place. Erica, great to have you on MSU today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Would you start by defining domestic violence for us? Let's not assume everyone knows what that means exactly. Define it and talk about you know, who does it affect and how does it manifest itself? Yeah, so a lot of us think of the physical aspect of domestic violence. And while that is certainly present um, in some domestic violence relationships, not everybody is physically abused. Um, and they may be experiencing things like emotional or verbal abuse, um, sexual abuse, isolation. They're not really allowed to have much of a social life. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that they're locked in a basement, um, but maybe the abusive partner is making it difficult for them to spend time with family or friends um, or demands that they come home from work immediately um, afterwards. Um, You know, we see threats, we see stalking, uh, we see intimidation, um, gaslighting, um, sabotaging school and work efforts and economic abuse. Um, And those are just um, a handful of examples, but really anything that um, an abusive person does to gain and maintain power and control in a relationship. And again, they may be using physical abuse or they may be able to gain that uh, power and control through other means. Um, So a lot of times um, we kind of use the test, are you free to leave the relationship? And if the answer is no, I'm afraid of what my partner will do if I leave the relationship, then that relationship is probably abusive. Uh, We see this happen in all kinds of relationships. So heterosexual relationships, same-sex relationships, um, and anybody can be a victim or survivor. Um, While we see mostly women experience domestic violence, uh, people of any gender um, can be victims. And Erica, are there uh, common traits of abusers and and what causes someone to to do such things? Yeah. So um, again, it's about that power and control. And some people are good at hiding uh, that side of them and they only show it behind closed doors uh, with their partner. Um, And if there's children involved, then the children may see it too. Um, Or they may, you know, exhibit these behaviors in the workplace, you know, with their friends Um, as well. Um, But a lot of abusers are very skilled um, at hiding this aspect of their personality. And that's one way they get away with this behavior. Um, Because that way, um, if the survivor does come forward, people are less likely to believe um, that this is really going on. Um, You know, what? (laughs) How, you know, I don't see um, them behaving that way. I, I Are you sure? <laughs> um, and then not believing the survivor. And of course, we don't want to believe that anybody that we know and that we would be friends with or go to church with or work with would be abusive to their partner. So it is really easy for us to not believe this kind of thing is going on. 
Um, but abusers, again, they like that power and control. Um, they may be feeling very entitled and act very entitled in their behavior. Um, they may never admit that they have done something wrong. So if something is already or is always someone else's fault, that's a big red flag. Um, you know, if I get pulled over for speeding and I know I was going 10 over, I'm going to not be happy about that speeding ticket, but I'm not necessarily going to blame the police officer for giving me that ticket. Um, so those, you know, those are some traits to look out for. And again, abusers, abusers are really skilled at hiding this and they're not necessarily going to show this side of them when people, you know, two people are dating. They're going to wait until their relationship progresses and then start to show signs um, of their controlling behavior. So we can never blame somebody for being in an abusive relationship. They didn't know. Um, and then once they come to find out, yeah, this relationship isn't really so healthy. I think I need um, to talk to somebody about it. Um, you know, we need to be supportive of that um, and understand that, you know, nobody asks to be in a relationship that's abusive and nobody deserves to be abused. So what, Eric, are some ways or strategies a victim can try to get away from this? I imagine it's not easy. No, absolutely not. Again, that abuser or abusive person is going to wait until their relationship has progressed um, to really show their true colors um, and be most abusive. Um, so that may be after, you know, two people have married, um, after they've entered a lease, um, bought a home, have children, etc. cetera. Um, so for a survivor to disentangle themselves uh, from that relationship can take some time and some planning, um, and that's okay. We're not here to tell people that, oh, that relationship um, is so toxic, you need to leave right away. We may want them to get out right away for their own safety, um, but it may not be safe. Um, the abusive person um, seeing that they're losing, losing that power and control, um, that their partner is leaving them, um, can trigger increased violence. Um, so we encourage survivors to have a safety plan and whether that's something that they contact us uh, to do a safety plan with them or they go online and Google safety plan for domestic violence. Um, it's good to be aware of safety issues and um, unfortunately survivors are often aware of safety issues. This is their day-to-day -day life, um, but a, a safety plan can help them to maybe think about things they didn't think about before. Um, and they're often willing to give this person the benefit of the doubt because um, they have been in a relationship with this person. They've seen the good side. They've seen that the relationship can go well at times. Um, so they may think, oh, I, you know, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I'm going to sit down with them and explain all the reasons why it's, we don't need to be together anymore. Um, and that's one thing that we caution people about. Um, that you may think <laughs> that you owe it to them to have that conversation, but it may not be safe. Um, and if you feel that you need to have that conversation, that maybe doing it in a public place uh, would be better. Um, or maybe leaving a, a letter, um, sending an email, but having that face-to-face -face conversation may not be safe if that abusive person sees they're losing power and control. So for those of us fortunate enough not to be experiencing domestic violence, how, how can we recognize it in, in family and friends that, that may need help? And how do we help? What are some warning signs? 
Yeah, so we may see our friends and family withdrawing. Um, they're not coming to family functions anymore uh, because the abusive person is saying things like, oh, you know, you spent too much time with your family. Um, you know, that's not healthy. How come they're always in our business? Um, so maybe you're seeing isolation uh, with people that you care about that you used to spend more time with. Um, so maybe checking in with them. Um, maybe, you know, asking if it's a good time to talk, maybe the abusive person is right there and they can't talk, <laughs> they want, maybe they want to, um, but maybe trying to find a way um, to have a, a conversation and check in um, when the abusive person isn't around. Um, and not making any kind of accusations <laughs> because nobody wants to hear that their relationship is abusive. Um, a lot of times people are, in denial uh, that somebody that they love could hurt them. So, you know, expressing concern, but maybe not labeling um, the relationship as abusive, but maybe pointing things out that are concrete, like, um, you know, you don't really come to family functions anymore. We miss you. Um, you know, just wondering what that's all about. Um, and maybe expressing some hesitation, even if you're convinced the relationship is ab abusive, saying things like, well, I don't know if this is what's going on, but if it is, just know that I'm here to support you regardless, and I care about you, and I want the best for you. Um, and again, you may not get a um, great response <laughs> to that, uh, but you've planted a seed. You've let that other person know that you care about them and that if they are ready to talk, if they are ready to come forward, that you are a safe person. Um, there's also um, sometimes hesitancy of, you know, that people have to get involved. They may not feel like they're qualified um, to, to say anything. Um, and that's okay. You don't have to be a therapist or an advocate um, to point somebody in the right direction and let them know that there are services in the community that are available to them. I'm speaking with Erica Schmidt-Deal. She's a licensed master social worker at MSU Safe Place and CARE Advocacy Coordinator. CARE is the Capital Area Response Effort. And Erica, tell us a little bit more about MSU Safe Place. What is it and what's its mission? Who's it for? Yeah, so we are the first and only domestic violence shelter on a college campus in the nation. Uh, we were started in 1994, but people don't have to stay in shelter to get support. That is just one thing that we offer for people who are no longer safe at home. Uh, but we also have counseling and advocacy services. Right now, due to COVID, we are offering those over Zoom or phone. We are not doing in-person face-to-face meetings for obvious reasons. Um, our shelter is offered, um, again, with social distancing in mind. We are not a large congregate shelter. Uh, like many people imagine a gymnasium with rows of bunk beds, and that is not how we are set up. We do have individual living arrangements for people, uh, for individuals and families. And so COVID is, is not a threat here. Um, and I mentioned advocacy. I'm one of the two advocates on staff. And basically that means I'm here to help people with whatever it is that they need. Everybody's situation is different. We don't have a cookie cutter approach um, and say, this is <laughs> what you need to do, A, B, C, and D. Uh, we talk with people about what it is, um, 
that they want, what's going on with them. They may have identified uh, needs already, and we are just there to help get them uh, what they it, what it is they need, whether it's maybe it's a divorce attorney, uh, an immigration attorney, a personal protection order or a restraining order. Some people know them uh, by that term. Um, maybe they don't know that they can get a personal protection order. Um, so we're, we're talking about options. We're providing information, resources, referrals, and support uh, for individuals. And people don't have to leave the relationship to receive our services. That is not a requirement that we have. Sometimes people are trying to decide if their relationship is abusive or not. They're not sure. Um, but maybe their friend said, why don't you call Safe Place? I think it would be a good idea for you to talk to them. Um, or maybe they're on the complete end of the spectrum. Um, they've tried to leave the relationship. The, they know it's abusive. They know it's unhealthy. Um, and the other person is stalking them um, and won't let them go. And um, so we see a whole a wide range of um, situations and we're here to help with uh, whatever it is that people are dealing with. And what are you doing on October 15th, you wanted to mention? Yeah, we have a candlelight vigil. Uh, it is virtual, again, due to COVID. We normally do it in person where we can bring community members together to honor um, survivors and remember those who lost their lives due to domestic violence. Um, but this year it is virtual. Uh, we are hoping to have a survivor from our Survivors Speakers Bureau uh, share her story. Uh, that is pending. Um, but yeah, it is, um, again, October 15th, 6 p.m. And there's more information on our Facebook page. MSU Safe Place, and then Eve, our Lansing Domestic Violence Shelter, is co-hosting, uh, and their Facebook page has the information as well. So just search Eve and Violent Encounters. And tell me more about how the pandemic is impacting the incidence of domestic violence and the work that Safe Place does. Yeah, so we are hearing um, from programs across the country that domestic violence is up and law enforcement is reporting the same um, in some jurisdictions, uh, but we are actually experiencing a decline in services and we're seeing that from some programs as well. So there's sort of a paradox there where people are calling the police potentially because they're in danger and they don't feel like they have other options in that moment, um, but yet they're reluctant to reach out for services. And, you know, we understand that some survivors just can't if the abusive person is so controlling that they're either with the survivor 24-7 or they're making that survivor account for their time 24-7, um, the survivor may not feel like they can reach out. Um, and they may be scared to reach out, even if they have a moment to make a phone call or send us an email. Um, they may not know that we have individual shelter units available, that we have um, Zoom counseling or phone counseling or advocacy services offered remotely. So our shelter numbers are down. Uh, we are still having a steady number of non-residents um, 
coming to us. So we're, we're not completely <laughs> um, without clients uh, to serve, but we, we have seen a, a decrease in numbers. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to come on this podcast and let people know that we are still operational and we are still taking, and we are taking safety precautions in my, into account. And what are some resources you can recommend either for someone who is a victim or, or someone who thinks they need to help a victim? Yeah. So we are here on campus. Uh, we serve primarily students staff, faculty, and their partners. When we're able to, uh, we are we can serve non-MSU, uh, but that does depend on our staffing levels and our shelter space. Um, so we are, again, the program on campus, we have a Lansing domestic violence shelter uh, that also serves uh, survivors of sexual assault and any, anybody who's experiencing elder abuse. And that could be uh, somebody 55 and older experiencing intimate partner domestic violence, or it could be a caregiver uh, that is taking advantage of an elderly person. So again, that's Eve. Um, EveInc.org is their website. Uh, we work closely with a lot of community partners. Uh, the MSU Center for Survivors is another one um, that we work closely with. And many people get us confused with the Center for Survivors. So I want to give a shout out to them. Uh, they serve individuals who have experienced a sexual assault, whether it's as a child or as an adult. Um, and they serve people who are experiencing sexual harassment as well. Um, so they are another great program that we have here on campus. Um, and yeah, I, I could go on, but <laughs> those are, those are sort of the, the two, our two main, uh, program partners, but we do work with a lot of other agencies, um, in the community through our capital area, domestic and sexual violence coordinating council. Well, my guest has been Erica Schmidt deal. She's a licensed master social worker at MSU safe place and a care advocacy coordinator. CARE stands for Capital Area Response Effort. And uh, as we close, Erica, is there anything we important we didn't mention that you want to get out there or just, just remind us, since it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, what exactly would you like us to be more aware of and, and what would you like us to do? Oh, and I didn't mention CARE. I didn't explain that uh, we have a post-arrest response team for survivors of domestic violence in our community. And a lot of communities don't have that. Um, so that's a great resource because, again, people may be reluctant to reach out to our program or EVE, but they may feel at some point um, in time that they have to call 911 because their safety is being threatened, um, because their, their child's in danger um, from the abusive partner. Um, so CARE can go out after an arrest, talk to the victim of the crime, let them know that there are services available, um, answer any questions about the other partner being arrested, their arraignment, their bond, etc. Um, so that's a great um, service in our community. And then I get any um, referrals for MSU individuals that have had contact with the police. So um, shout out to CARE, uh, who does great work as well. Um, and in terms of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, just letting people know that we are here as a resource. If um, somebody wants to talk maybe a little bit more in depth about um, a friend or a family member that they're trying to help, uh, we can talk through that with folks. We do get calls frequently from family members, um, other professionals that maybe domestic violence isn't their specialty and they would like some more information on how to help somebody else. Um, so we are definitely available for consultation. Um, and we just ask that everybody keep in mind 
that domestic violence is everybody's business. You know, we all play a part. This is a community problem um, that we have here in Lansing um, and across the globe. Um, and we all have a part to play in raising awareness and stepping in and trying to do something when we're aware that it exists. Um, we are on social media. We have a Facebook page, a Twitter page. Uh, we are hoping to debut our Instagram for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we will soon be on Instagram. And to share our information, um, you know, follow us. Um, you may learn something that you didn't know about domestic violence. So just Google MSU Safe Place and you'll hear all about uh, what Erica and I have been talking about. And Erica, thank you so much for sharing this important information with us. Yeah, thank you so much. That's Erica Schmidt-Deal of MSU Safe Place. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.